0: We better sacrifice some of our other interests and start focusing on recapturing control of our own system. It's, it's a, it's do or die.
1: Welcome to the Propaganda Report. I'm Monica Perez here with my co-host Brad Binkley and our very special guest. The OG, the original truther, the great Mr. G. Edward Griffin. Everyone has their own favorite red pill moment from Mr. Griffin's history. Mine is his interview of researcher Norman Dodd. I know Binkley loves his work with a Russian defector, Yuri Bezmenov, and most people know him for his magnum opus, The Creature from Jekyll Island, which exposed the Fed for the mechanism of theft and control that it really is. And Mr. Griffin's work continues to... this stay with red pill university and the red pill expo so we have tons to talk about although we're uh we're going to hit the ground running so thank you so much for being here mr griffin i really appreciate your time and i'm dying to pick your brain
0: well, thank you. It's a delight to be here. It might be slim pickings, but have a way out.
1: <laughs> no way. No way. Well, let me say the reason I was absolutely eager to talk to you right now is that uh, around the time of the election, I think uh, you said something that I thought, but did not hear a lot of other people say. And that was that uh, if, if the goal of the powers that be were to unfold like it appeared it was going to and they were really after civil unrest they'd have an easier time getting that unrest if trump won and it was the left that was triggered and i agreed with that totally i thought it's going to be really hard for them to get an all-out uprising from the right it's just it's just not natural in the kind of um what the right was after and what i don't think either of us saw coming was that they they didn't actually gin it up Uh, in my opinion they they made it up but they said it happened and i think they're working on keeping that narrative going i think they want civil unrest and i just am wondering if you see that trend continuing what what's the point there like what what's the unrest all about what's it for
0: well, I do see that trend continuing, and it almost has to continue because that's the playbook. We, we know how this works. I mean, when I say we, anybody that's been around for as long as I have and anybody that's willing to look a little bit back in history and, and uh, remember and read some of the old news stories, we know that um, ever since the world started to tumble toward this universal acceptance of... Big government, the real name for it, of course is collectivism. It's the idea that we should be ruled and we should be thankful for being ruled from the top down for our own good to protect us. And in order in order to get people to be um, okay, with being living under a uh, totalitarian system, for them to think that that's all right and not be upset too much by it to the point of revolution and all of that sort of thing, they have to be scared out of their wits of things that uh, that are just horrendous i mean like they they have to be afraid of a foreign invasion from an enemy from maybe across the sea, or they have to be afraid of um let's say terrorism domestic terrorism or terrorists from some other country who are bombing our buildings and blowing up our airplanes and things like that or they have to feel that it's a it's a, a wave of um a virus or something or some invisible disease that's going to take us all down or it's going to be crime or it's going to be uh pornography or it's going to be uh, uh, economic climate collapse. Change. Yes, climate change. <laughs> oh, guys, don't forget that one. So the idea and and this is classic stuff if you read the literature of these strategist strategic planners on the other side we would like to call them by different names like you know, the elitists or the one-worlders and so forth, they really write books on this and they hold conferences on this and they give seminars on this. So if we just look at what they've done and read what they say, then we can see, oh yeah, it's playing out exactly that way. So the underlying thing there is that you must have conflict. You, you don't get uh, free people to give up their liberties or to give up their way of life, their judicial system, their culture, their mores. You uh, Their, you know, their way of life. You don't get them to give that up unless you scare the daylights out of them, and they think, well, I've got to do this in order just to survive. So that is we have to understand. We start with that understanding of how these people have been successful, greatly successful, around the world, not just in the United States but around the world and getting people to willingly uh, say, well, gee, that's great. I-, I will be glad to give up my liberties in return for security and that kind of thing. So once you understand that is the game plan, and in order to make that game plan work, you must have uh, different names for it. But the best name I like is you must have controlled opposition, In other words, you must control both sides of the conflict. You can't have real conflict where you you might lose. I think most people know that the same banking interests and the same intellectual interests, the academic, the schools, the universities, the big corporations, now they're all supporting the same ideology of big government and control, and they're all behind the official narratives of this threat and that threat and so forth. They may argue like Republicans and democrats might argue like the Dickens. Against each other, as to who 's who 's the right person, but when it comes to the big policies and you know and what are the big policies that they all agree on? well, think about it, the biggest policies are are we going to remain as a free, independent sovereign nation, or are we going to be gobbled up by the United Nations, are we going into this internationalism? uh milieu where all of a sudden we're just one little you know economic and political subunit in a one world uh, power system and on that issue there is absolutely no difference between the Republican and the Democrat parties they don't even debate it it's not allowed as a subject of debate and none of the candidates except sporadically you might have someone like Ron Paul gets a shot at it and he'll talk about those things but he's pushed down and every all the dirty uh, dirty tricks are used so that he's moved out of the equation. The press tr- uh, treats anybody that talks about sovereignty, they treat them like they're wackos and conspiracy theorists. So that's Gee. one of the big issues. The other issue is what about our money supply? You know, I've written about that in the Federal Reserve. Is the money supply going to be... Um, based on real money of tangible value, which holds its purchasing power? Or is it going to be completely at the will of the state and the banking fraternity to create and expand at will and have never, never have to worry about how much money anything costs because they just create it literally out of nothing? Is that going to be changed? Are we going to go back to good money again? Or are we going to continue with the fiat money? You'll never find any debate on that. Uh, between the Republicans and the Democrats at the leadership level, of course. They all agree on that. They may condemn the Federal Reserve, oh, that, that oh, bad organization, they need to be audited or something, and they'll talk about it, and uh, all of the presidents always have a, take a shot at it because the people say, yeah, he's, he's a good guy, he knows that these, these, these bankers are bad. He just said something bad about them, but he doesn't do anything about it, of course. And, and that's what I mean by, none of these big issues, and of course now uh, we're talking about the COVID issue, is, Are we? is it a good thing to close down and destroy <laughs> the economy of all these nations so that people will be thrown into real poverty and they'll have to beg the government to have food and shelter and housing and everything and and transportation, I have to get it from the government because the economy is shot. Is there any real? Is there any real uh, difference between the Republican and Party on that? No, they all go for it. They're all uh, they're all repeating the same line. This is a valid. This is a real virus. And it's it's a real virus, no doubt. But it's no different than the flu. But they don't mention that part of it. And they said, this is something we got to close down the world for and throw people into poverty. And it's for your good, because otherwise you're all going to die. And your grandmothers and your grandfathers are going to die first. It's going to be horrible. horrible." So they get everybody scared and they wear their masks and they go around, oh yeah, what are we going to do? And so there's no difference at the leadership level, the Republicans or the Democrats on that. They all support it. They're all no matter what candidate comes up, whether it was Mr. Trump or Mr. Biden, they're all going to get the army out there and make, make sure everybody gets their forced vaccinations. They're all going to close everything down. They all listen to Mr. Fauci, everything Mr. Fauci says. Well, that, well, he's the expert, you know. There's no difference on that. So once you get the bigger picture that this is a playbook, and this has been followed for decades now, is to to frighten the American people so thoroughly that they don't ask really the hard questions about our national so- sovereignty our economy our money supply whether or not we should be locked down and all of these things we don't even we don't even have a debate on those it's all about oh he's a bad guy or he's a racist and no he's a communist and, no he's a Nazi here's the, he's a fascist or something and they a lot of emotion going on and hateful people out there breaking things and throwing fire bombs and the TV plays all of the scary stuff but you never talk about the issues the real the real issues behind it so I'm I'm going through this because I it's important to understand that background before you can s- say what you think is going on today and where you think it's headed. It's going exactly according to plan. Now, we get to the point is, well, the plan was to create violence and conflict, of course, so that people will say, yes, we'll accept a Patriot Act or we'll accept some kind of an insurrection act or we'll accept anything you want to call it if it's offered in the interest of protecting me as a person. I don't need protection. I need safety against all of these things. So, you know."
1: As it's actually called the Domestic Terrorism Prevention yeah. Act yeah. Oh, of 2021. It just came out. Yeah, of course. They, you can they, see that coming.
0: You can see it coming. I mean, I can write the names of yeah. these bills myself. Uh It's always for to convey the impression that it's for your protection, for the protection of the common man, and therefore it's good, you see. They want so, you to beg yeah, for it. It makes us beg for it. We, like we stand in line and wait to get these yeah. vaccines. That are gonna, I know. Are going to really are going to damage so many people? I just feel horribly sorry for all these people that are going to be physically damaged by these vaccines. So-called, they're not even vaccines. Um, they're just toxic things. They're genetically modified organisms. They're creating, and a lot of them are going to die. But they're so they stand in line for it. Oh, me first. Me first. And, uh, so that's the, that's the name of the game today. So having gone through all that, I just want to let everybody know what my reference is. Now you may disagree with me, and that's fine, and I'm, I'm not even saying that I'm, I'm always right. I'm not even, I'm not even saying I'm usually right. But this is my perspective on it, and to me it explains almost everything I see in the news today. So with that perspective, now, what do I think about what's going on <laughs> today? It's He's it's, it's playing out the, the game book, and it makes no difference whether it's a Republican or a Democrat. It makes no difference whether it's Mr. Biden or Mr. Trump, except for the rhetoric and the expectations. And you see, you have to have the people divided one group against another. Otherwise there's no conflict. And if there's no conflict, then there's no sense oh I, I had a chance to participate in my own political destiny. I, I chose up sides. But you notice the sides they give you to choose up from are not really good choices at all. They're not choices at all. Except they're in the more in the personality character. I mean I like his personality, his style. I like what he says. And but nobody actually looks at what they do. It's much mo- what is he they saying?
1: like the feeling the social Atmosphere of that color party. Yeah, it's it's exactly. You want to be the the liberal, you know. your friends are liberals.
0: That's it. That's it's a very social thing. Uh,
2: I like the ones that can slam their enemies too. If you can get my enemy, then I like you. Well, yes. Now you take me back to my childhood days when
0: (laughs) when. when television was just coming on. And uh, we had, like everybody else in the middle class, we we were very happy when we got our first television set in the living room. And my grandmother used to watch daytime wrestling matches. That's uh, (laughs) so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and she was, she was, oh man, she wouldn't miss one of those wrestling matches for anything. And I think she must have known that those were professional wrestlers and she probably didn't think much about the fact that probably both wrestlers in the ring had the same manager or were <laughs> or owned by the same company and so forth. And their job uh, was just to beat up on each other, but they weren't really opponents. It was just to put on a show. And uh, as I remember looking at it, I got caught up in it, too. I'm a kid. And and they always had somebody, you know, dressed in in a, a dark black, Costume, maybe he had a swastika <laughs> on his shirt or something, and he was snarly and he needed a shave. His hair was all messed up, and he always had a mean look on his face. And he was strutted around like he was ah, he was mean and he was haughty. And then there was the other guy; he had the American flag on, <laughs> <and> <laughs> Captain America. Captain America, America. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. America. <laughs> now, who are you going to root for? You know, yeah. <laughs> and, they, and these guys really slammed each other hard. I mean, sometimes they throw him out of the ring, and they wind up down on the. On the floor, and on. that must have hurt like hell. And no. but they were paid to do it. You see, if they didn't put on a good fight and a good show, nobody would come and watch the. the Why
2: matches.
1: is it so yeah. hard for people to see this?
0: Because they don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to believe that my leaders are putting on a false wrestling match. I don't want to believe that because that means I'm. I've had it. That means I'm not even in the equation. I am. I'm nothing but a fool. That's why I don't want to see that. That can't be true. Oh, Lord, don't tell me that's true, because then we're lost, you see. Well, there's parts and a lot of truth to that, but we'll never get unlost unless we realize that it is a wrestling match, a professional wrestling match. Then we can get unlost and we can start to, to do something about it. But as long as we live in the fantasy world, you know, we're through.
1: Well, as I watched last year unfold, and what you started this conversation by saying is how to affect cultural change through fear, I thought frequently of the interview that you had with Norman Dodd, who was the congressional researcher into the tax-exempt foundations for the House on american Activities Committee, and he went into, now I've referred many, many people to that. I've shared that video many times, but not everybody has seen it, but Norman Dodd said that Back in the day, what they did when they were investigating the tax-exempt foundations was go and look at the earliest records of the Carnegie Foundation from, I think it was 1908. It was before, obviously well before World War One. And the question posed, the first kind of order of business, was how to affect real cultural change, dramatic cultural change. I think specifically from an individualistic society like the American Society was to a collectivist society and their conclusion after much work. Work was that there's nothing, nothing compares to war as a cultural change agent. And, and then I coupled that with having read the report from Iron Mountain, which talks about the subtitle is on the desirability and possibility of peace. And it talks about the, the social purpose that war serves and how if there's anything that will substitute for that. And I'll tell you item after item that's in that book and, and Thinking about the Norman Dodd interview last year, this COVID thing just checks all, all, all the boxes except for kind of paradoxically, it has not actually killed 60 million people, but the, you know, I, those vaccines are just started to roll out. So who knows? But, but it, it seems truly like a substitute for war and war's primary purpose is social control and social change. And it goes way back yeah. to the first thing I saw of yours that was like kind of the original red pill.
0: Well, it's good that you you have this background and you you understand that this is not just my idea. I mean, I, I couldn't have dreamed up anything quite so diabolical or clever as, as that. Um, I had to read about it. I had to hear from these people themselves who were doing it to talk about it. I had I had to meet Yuri Besmianov. I had to I had to study the the. Um, you know, iron report from Iron Mountain and so forth, and then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, these guys are writing about how to do it. They're giving little lessons that you do it this way and do it that way. But you mentioned the report from Iron Mountain. Um, you remember in that book, as I recall, they said now uh, they were talking about how the you know possibly you could uh, uh, arouse people on the danger of of destruction of the environment. And then, if you remember, they said, "No, it's not necessary that the environment actually be yes. destroyed, as long as they think it's being." And
1: destroyed. we don't even we could actually destroy it, but we don't want to get caught. Yeah, yeah. They said, <laughs>
0: in most cases, there's enough real uh, damage out there yeah. to the environment that that's enough. But we right. could create it if we needed to to yeah. make it worse. And then they said, and besides, it doesn't make any difference as long as the perception right. was that it was being destroyed. And there you have it. You don't have to kill sixty million people. Yeah, you can that's just that's convince true. Americans and others that sixty million people have died. <laughs> and they even
1: said in the beginning of the book, we're we're we didn't even classify this study because even if you published this and gave it to everyone and it was a bestseller, it wouldn't matter anyway. Yeah, it didn't make any difference. Nobody would do anything about it. They couldn't stop us. And and I imagine following this in real time, you can see, and actually, to tell you the truth, my father and his father. So I have the whole 20th century of people telling me, especially regarding the UN, of what it was all about and how it was going to unfold. And and now that I see in the world of the Internet, it's so much easier to communicate with people these truths that we see to show them proofs. But somehow I feel like it's almost harder to get through to people. There's so much noise, whereas my father told me that and he was right and I knew it. I don't know how how uh, he even, you know, he would buy books or get newsletters or whatever, but I don't even know how he was tapped into the real truth. And now it overwhelms us, but still we don't slow it down.
0: No, that's because we haven't really taken the steps necessary to do so. You have to have power to do so. You can't... Information alone is not enough. And there's an old saying that, you know, truth will set you free. And... and, uh, and the truth will always win. No, no, no. Maybe in the long run, over a hundred or hundreds of years or thousands of years, but truth can easily be overpowered by lies if the people telling the lies have control of the communications media and the educational system and the judicial system and the prison system and all of these, you know, and they control your paycheck and all of these things. You work for these big corporations. If If they can get their hands on the levers of economic and political and informational power in a nation they can override truth for a long long period of time and create untold suffering so we can't just sit back and smugly say oh gee I read a book and I understand this now so therefore they can't do this to me (laughs) <laughs> I had a, a friend, a very good friend, Dr. John Richardson, uh who you may remember, he was a, a key figure in one of the books I wrote on cancer research and therapy. He was a, a great MD, a great principled man, and he started to treat cancer with a, a substance from nature that was not approved by the FDA, and of course they went after him because it was not approved. And the reason it wasn't approved is uh, because it uh, was not the FDA wouldn't approve it. They, they required that you have about a, a ten million or a twenty million dollar budget to go through all these tests and so forth. And, uh, and besides, they don't like the, the FDA. and None of the pharmaceutical industry components, which control the FDA. Want anything to do with anything from nature because you cannot patent something from nature, you can't make any money on it, so they always want a, a concoction test tube chemistry to treat all illnesses because now that can be patented and I remember John Richardson he said well they can't they can't prevent me from saving lives i mean I'm a doctor, I have a, a Hippocratic oath, you know, do no harm, and I'm saving lives. how can they force me to stop using something that works well? from nature and use these chemical compounds that kill people instead of save lives, they can't do it. And I remember he would often reach in his pocket, he carried a little uh, a little pocket version of the Constitution. He'd hold it up. he says, they can't do this. They can't do this. I'm protected by the Constitution. And of course, I kept trying to say, wait a minute, John, slow down. They don't give a damn about that little piece of paper. And they're going to throw you in. And sure enough, they took away his license and they beat him down. Uh Of course, uh, he he didn't give in. He was a principled guy, but he paid dearly for thinking that just because you you have a right, and a so-called right, if people don't honor that right, and they've got control the power of the state you're going to pay a price you may have a right but they will deny you your right and so the question is how do you overcome that monopoly of power so perhaps i'm going in an area that nobody cares, no no i want to care hear about, this. but you we're not going to turn this around until we come to the point where we say okay i got the picture i don't need to read another book I don't need to go to another seminar. Right. Uh, I want to become active. I want to become part of a movement. I want to become boots on the ground. I want to join with others of like mind. I want to become active in the local community, and I want to develop candidates and get people into office and get people out of office. I want to become politically active so that now the, the levers of power begin to take be taken away from these collectivists. And be put in the hands of people who have no axe to grind except liberty. And until we get to that stage, nothing will change.
1: But so much of that, as you were talking about earlier, gets kind of co-opted or infiltrated by the controlled opposition. It yeah. feels like there's dead ends everywhere.
0: Well, that's a really good point because people are saying to me, "Oh, look! Look at the reaction. People are really getting mad now, and boy, they're getting they're getting their weapons out. They're getting their ammunition out, and 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 they better boy, this is going not going to end well for those people. You know, the collectivists." And I have to remind him, that said, look, you're dealing with professionals here. These people have been in control for over a hundred years. And like the military, they have buildings full of strategists who do nothing but think ahead and draw up plans and scenarios. Well, what if this happens? Then we do that. And what if that happens? We do this. And then we have A, B, and C plan, maybe an E, F, and G plan, and they figure four, five, and six steps ahead. Everything's planned out. There's nothing nothing takes them by surprise. And you read some of their documents, even on this COVID thing, and some of the, the documents they put out like 20 years Ago, yeah. Said when we when we start to uh, release the not release the the virus but <laughs> but to when we when we finally react to the virus yeah. well, they didn't say problem. yeah, yeah react we know it's to the virus. Be released. Yeah. yeah that we know it's going to be released or said to be released
1: the novel coronavirus in, yeah. in one particular case yeah, yeah
0: remember it just perception is all you need it right. doesn't have to be real Absolutely. so once people think. This thing has been released. They're going to do this. And then we will do that. And at one point they said, at some point when we start uh, uh, downloading a lot of controls over the population, there's going to be pushback. A lot of people are get angry and they're going to rise up against us. And we must prepare for that. Now, that was 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah. So if people think, oh, we're just lock and load, you know, man, they're way behind the curve. Yeah. <laughs> the military has anticipated that 30 years ago. I remember sitting next to a, a colonel, it was probably at least 20 years ago, on an airplane. And he, he was dressed in civilian clothes, and we got into a conversation. And uh, he was at a meeting someplace. Well, i have forgotten where it was. And, oh, what a meeting, you're a colonel. Oh, and I said, what, did you have a big, important meeting going on? And, yeah, he said, we're talking about the future, the future of, um, military action in America. I said, in America? He said, oh yes, oh yes, it's in America, you know, the future. It, 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 military used to be, uh, uh, designed to control and combat, um, enemies, uh, from other nations. But in the future, our major, major action will be to control the population of our own countries. Oh my god. I said, what? And said, "Well, yes, you know." He said, "You notice all the the, um, the vehicles that we're now building are no longer f- for desert operation, for use over in uh, uh, and in the Middle East." He said, "We'll still have those, but we're developing vehicles now for street warfare." I said, "What?" <laughs>
1: I mean that's, that's right. what it looks like. And and you can see it. And when I and like the Proud Boys, I just read today that the leader of the Proud Boys <clears throat> by some weird coincidence was an FBI operative for eight yeah. years or something. Yeah, uh-huh, and they uh-huh. and they're and they're saying, like, isn't that you know, it's kinda weird. I guess he just decided to be um a white supremacist, even though yeah. he's Hispanic. He I gave up the
2: undercover gig to Yeah. He yeah. gave it yeah. up. White supremacist.
1: And but of course what I see when I hear that is obviously Obviously, this guy is still an operative and yeah. it's so goaling to me that this government that and they've been you know they break their own arms packing themselves on the back for what a great job they do saving us from ourselves and all this mm-hmm. I mean it's it's truly a pathocracy where they're actually working against any authority they have using it against us and then their twisted minds it's again as you started out by saying they're doing it to us for our own good in their minds but mm-hmm it's i mean it's it's um I, I it's hard for me to understand how especially people in the military who do still believe that they're patriots working for our own good can convince themselves that it's okay to treat us this way. I mean, what would be how do you have any sense of human dignity or even feel like you want to protect people who are so unworthy of of um independence that they can't be Spoken to truthfully or take the responsibility of their own liberty. I mean, it just seems impossible to reconcile for a guy like that.
0: It would seem so, but I think you must understand that the ones, their superiors are not viewed that way. They're, they're viewed as patriots. You know, especially in the military, I remember that when I was in the military for a couple of years, I, I never got into that. I just did my two years and out. But uh, I, I got a good taste of it. And the idea was, you you, know, you don't ask questions. You just follow orders. Your, your superiors know things that you don't know. And uh, for obvious reasons, security reasons, you, you are not allowed to know everything. But be assured that your leaders know and you can trust your leaders, and even if you don't trust them, shut up and follow orders anyway. You know, <laughs> but uh, right. and then on top of that is a constant educational program. They call it educational, but it's a propaganda program to convince you that the guy on the street that you're going to have to go out and confront really is a bad guy. Mm-hmm. They have to convince these soldiers that everybody out there that's uh, that's resisting the government that they're really uh, wacko or that they're racist actually... or something.
1: I think the zombie movies and TV shows the zombie apocalypse is meant to get you to think of certain human beings as not human.
0: Yes. Uh-huh. You know yeah, there are cultural,
1: yeah. you know, entertainment things that just put these ideas into into your head. Mhm. The media, I mean, is is more powerful than war, I guess, to yeah. uh, affect the culture. Yeah.
0: Well, look look at the, the We've all seen pictures and and videos of of some events that happen in in uh, grocery stores. Where some guy goes in there, like me, and said, "Look, I don't I don't think that these masks are a good idea. I I think they're bad for my health and yours too." If he takes off the mask the mask in the grocery store, who knows? There could be some people tackle him to the ground and and beat him up. And these are good people that do that because yeah. they think, they think they're doing the right thing, you see. So it's all, the warfare is in the mind of this, uh, in this era in which we live. If you can, if you can capture a person's attitudes and his beliefs, then you've, it's more, it's more effective than pointing a gun at him and a bayonet. He will do what you want him to do because you convinced him it's the right thing to do and you don't have to force him.
2: They train these activists as well to bird dog to go into grocery stores and to have a friend with a camera ready and to provoke people to get, to provoke people to the point of them snapping and then they capture them on the camera and they cut mm-hmm. that little piece of footage out of context and they mm-hmm. blast it to their media connection that they get through their activism organization and it's oftentimes it's all a setup
0: Mm-hmm. And even if it's it's a setup, in part, in many cases, because the people on the other side are, are not part of the setup. They're not actors. They really do react out of yeah. anger, you know. It, it, if you go up to somebody and start poking them on the shoulder right. and, and telling them, you're stupid. You're stupid. <laughs> Take the mask off. Don't you know they're fooling you and you keep hitting them? Well, what do you think that guy's going to do? He's going to hit you back, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Eventually. And he's yeah. not listening to you at all. And you just harden his position and convince him that you're, you're wrong and that he's even more right than he thought he was. Yeah. So it's all psychological warfare.
2: They do the training also. You mentioned 100 years. I tell people something similar a lot because they train people. They make people believe they know how to spot propaganda. Oh, there's Trump gaslighting. There's so and so. Whatever. What them? And they give all these terms they throw out. this very surface level propaganda. And I'm like, no. Y- these guys have a hundred year head start on you, and they have well funded social science research, Edward Bernays stuff, all, all that, all that stuff they've been training and practicing with. And you think after ten minutes of hearing MSNBC or Fox tell you what gaslighting is, you're caught up to them?
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> But and we have what? we have to catch up with them, yeah. and uh, that's our mission. It's not just waiting around until it gets so bad that we do lock and load and go out there and meet him, you know, meet him out there in the field. It's no, no, it's 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 not that way today. The weaponry is different, and uh, the motivation of the combatants is different. The issues are different. This is a different world. I mean, we're still fighting for our liberty, but the old battlefields are quite different.
1: I feel like over the years, not that many years either, at least just the 21st century, as each pillar of the Bill of Rights has been knocked out from privacy to due process. It just, I mean, the the genius of it, I know people have argued they shouldn't even have put the Bill of Rights in because it makes it look like there's a defined list, a finite list. I have never been a proponent of that theory because when you look at the Bill of Rights it's actually very well tailored to specifically target the things that a bad faith government would want to do to diminish your rights and standing and the bill of rights i always feel even if you agree with lysander spooner and think that the constitution is not um isn't really meant to secure our rights i get that but it's it's very clear to me that without those protections without some privacy without some due process it's it's almost impossible to mount a defense I mean, I feel like that you're exposed on the one hand because you don't have privacy in your papers. And on the other hand, like your doctor thought that that due process would he would have his day in court. He would be able to explain himself. But those things are gone. And and it feels like to me that. I mean we need a new strategy and I, and I know that you you are organizing you do the Red Pill Expo When I look at your list of guests I don't know if they were from last year this year is a combination of both but a long list of people who say things from Cynthia McKinney to John Rappaport where they they're saying things that are not popular they people are going to get together and uh, join forces and put their heads together but I mean, how much of the encroachments against our rights has really made a difference in our ability to, you know, mount a defense? We've got to get ahead of them. And I feel like it's getting harder and harder.
0: Yes. No matter what we do, I go back to what I said a moment ago. We have to, we have to reacquire influence and power in the system because as long as we don't have control of those levers of influence and power, we're just talking to the wind. And we can be right as all get out, and we can outnumber our opposition a thousand to one. But uh it doesn't take many guards in a prison when the guards have the machine guns and the prisoners don't, you know? Uh It's those who have the weapons or it can influence the weapons that control the police and the army and some of these super weapons that most Americans don't know anything about. I mean, there are some frightful weapons that are in the hands of of the governments, the major governments of the world, and in particular in the United States. So major weapons. This is no longer like in the times of the American Revolution where you went on the battlefield and everybody had the same weapons. It was just a question of who had the most, most soldiers, the most weapons, and the best, you know, the most ammunition. And of course courage always made a difference, but still the weapons were the, always the deciding the thing, if you didn't have weapons, it didn't make a difference, you know. So, and, but they were always the same weapons. Now, if you go into the battlefield against a, a military operation, they've got atomic weapons, they've got uh, energy weapons, they've got uh, chemical weapons, uh, they've got electromagnetic weapons. You know, uh, they've got weapons that are just frightful. So, it's not. If you think you're going to lock and load and pretend like you're in the American Revolution and go to the bridge at Concord and meet the redcoats coming across from the other side of the river. No, 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 that's not it. I mean or
1: even another civil war where people think no. that they can secede or I, and I I think that does seem like a setup. But are you suggesting that we could win um you get integrity or get somebody on our side through the ballot box?
0: Well, yes, I think it's possible, but we have to we can't just sit back and do nothing uh, about what's happened so far i produced a documentary about i don't know 10 15 years ago on on stealing the ballot box through electronic voting it was all wrapped up that that long ago at that time uh, the ballots were being counted electronically and nobody knew that there were the the programs were being in operation to twist the ballots and uh, you find both republicans and democrats uh really uh in, in blocking any Serious uh, reform in uh, election processes because they want it that way. And I'm, when I say election, when I say Republicans and Democrats, I'm not talking about the average guy. I'm talking about the very top. You know, the the people that got these big plans about controlling things. They they want to tell people how they voted. <laughs> they don't want to. Uh, <laughs> they don't want to, have to bother with actually uh, right. dealing with how they feel. And uh, and so. We can't, we can't do anything. That's one of those weapons, actually, I'm talking about. Can we, how do we overcome that? Well, I could give you an idea. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. And one is that if we could form boots on the ground, and by that I mean local organizations of patriots, Republicans and Democrats. I mean, everybody should be, you should want a fair election. And we should get our sheriffs active so that when when election time comes and the ballots are going to be counted, we can insist that the observers, and by the way, we have to have paper ballots, Yes. paper ballots, and there will be observers that will be admitted. And if somebody tries to push an observer out and block them from seeing, that person is going to get clobbered by a, by a sheriff. And we have to prepare this. We just don't wait and say, how is this going to turn out? We have to start planning for that now. But, yeah, there are ways to do it. But now you see the path is made clear. We see now, everybody can see what needs to be done. Fifteen years ago when I did that documentary, it was called Invisible Ballots, I mean, nobody thought mm-hmm. it was real. Oh, no, no, they would sure. never do, rig the elections like that, even though we <laughs> proved that they did. <laughs> but now everybody knows it's real. Even, yes. though, even those that benefited from it, they know it's real. Right. So it's time. Yeah, we could do things to make sure that we have ball- paper ballots and that uh, there, there are observers and that the, that the elections are, are honest. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it can, it can be done.
1: That does seem like a big job because we look at a lot. Um, the very big picture It can be very intimidating, like the World Economic Forum and the Great Reset and how successful they were last year in kind of calling the shots on the COVID policy, which I don't know how if you looked into event 201 at all but in obviously in 2019 the world economic forum and gates and johns hopkins kind of anticipated this they were ready for it like Mm -hmm. you say and now i feel like they are they clearly want to put us all into the virtual world through which they can really control us you think paper ballots are a requirement i mean it feels like They don't even want us to be out in the physical world at all. But I agree with you. I mean, it's simple. And if you start making sure that you retain your rights to grow your own food, to have your own arms, to make sure the sheriff's on your side, to make sure those local elections are fair, I actually do think that that would work. But it it can be overwhelming when you think of how much, you know, what the very big picture is. Yes,
0: it'll work, but it won't happen just by sitting back and and saying, yeah, I hope somebody does that. That means every one of us who sees this big picture and realizes the consequences of it and who at least have some resources. We're not living on the edge of survival, which is going to be a real problem in the, in the months ahead because more and more people are being pushed into that into that level. But those of us who can, I mean, we, we better s- sacrifice some of our other interests and start focusing on recapturing control of our own system. It's, it's a, it's do or die. That's really what it is. Right. It's, you, we have no option. I mean, not to do it is not an intelligent option. We must do it regardless of uh, the risks, regardless of the consequences. Um I, I remember I was raised by my aunt. She was a school teacher. Came from a broken family and I went in and was taken in by my aunt and my grandmother. My aunt was a wonderful woman and I remember she said so many wise things when I was a kid and I didn't understand any of them until I became older and I thought about them. One of the things she used to say was that um, I have the courage to fight, but I am too cowardly to surrender.
1: Wow. <laughs> That's gonna be one of those things that I, that you have to, you have to have that moment, that experience where it's true for you. Yeah. And you'll say, oh, I remember when Mr. Griffin said that.
0: Yeah, but that was my aunt Alice that said that and I didn't get it until many years later, but I've got it now. I've got to know. We have no option. We cannot surrender. Right. We kind of just sit back and say, well, it's all over. I guess there's uh, nothing so, we can do about it.
1: So what's the first step? I mean, I want to pay, tell people I love the Your Red Pill Expo. It looks super cool. It's in South Dakota, which may be the last bastion of mm-hmm. freedom this June and all the great speakers. I mean, I am, I, I, but what's the first step for, for action? Is it, is it something big like that or is it, is there something, you know, kind of handbook? Well, there's a
0: handbook to it. And uh, one of the differences um, between what I'm trying to create and others, too, not just me, a lot of other people are involved in this project, is very similar to what our enemy has done, but it has a, v- a couple of major differences. And what our enemy has done so brilliantly is to organize what they call rings within rings within rings. They have a center organization with very small making the directorate, you know, there's usually a, a one person or a group of three or something like that are the most powerful. And then they form another group around them, you know, maybe 20 or 30 or 40. And sometimes those 30 or 40 people don't realize that the three people are really controlling everything. And then the 40 forms another group around them that might have a thousand or a couple of thousand and so forth. And then they go out bigger and bigger until finally they get to organizations like political parties, which cover you know millions of people. And none, none of the people out there know that they're being directed by the little group in the center. And um, I looked at that, I've been watching that for a long time, and I realized that, you know, there's nothing unethical about that. That's really the way humans interact uh, in a natural way but they had perfected it they organized it they they institutionalized it uh, they drew it out on a map they you know they gave it names and, and they had strategies attached to it i thought we need to do that and but the one thing that our opponents do is that they have secrecy and they won't tell you. I what was going to say deception yeah. is the deception, difference. It's the yeah. goal
1: of the innermost circle, yeah. it does not reflect what they tell any of the other layers. Only what they tell the layers to control That's the right. layers.
0: It's always the enlightenment. You've got to be enlightened to get into that.
2: Yeah, yikes! Area.
1: After you're yeah. fully <laughs> indoctrinated, it's like
2: communist subversion <laughs> tactics. They exactly, send little yeah. cells all over the country yeah. that they set up, and yeah. there's all these groups that do that. Yeah. So the reason I mention that is that I've copied somewhat of that
0: strategy that we have our central organization, a very dedicated, knowledgeable, proven people that give their lives. In fact, we are giving our lives to this. This is about all we can think of. We live and sleep and breathe this. And it's totally with us all day long. And that's Freedom Force International. But that's a relatively small group. And then we've created a group around us. We've got to have outreach. We need... Okay, we got the one percent in place. Now we need that fifteen percent that always makes things happen. The three percent actually. It, it, then we got the one. There, you have to think in terms of one percent, three, and fifteen percent as really making history happen. The one percent are the thought leaders and, and the people that give a direction, and then the three percent are those that devote their lives to it, and then the fifteen percent rally around it. And, you know, the other 85% go, huh? What's happening? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and That's true. It's always been true of history. On right. either side of a conflict, you've got that kind of a breakdown. So what we've done is to create this project outreach, we've called it, where it's not so strenuous. You don't have to read, you know, 100 books or anything or devote your life to it. But we call it project outreach originally. And now it's called Project Red Pill. It's the same thing, really, but we needed something to popularize it, to let people understand it at a sort of an easier level, what we're really talking about. And I think most people today know what red pill means. I've been red-pilled. I've been awakened. Now I see it the way it really is. So we thought, why not use that as a shorthand version of some of the more complex things that we're talking about? So we've put into motion the Red Pill University and Red Pill Expos. And and then beyond that, after, by the way, the Redfield University, part of that function that most people don't realize is to create local campuses all around the country. These would be small groups of people that will be able to interact with their fellow human beings at the local level, their friends, their neighbors, and they'll be running for For city hall, city council to be running on the uh, state—I mean, the county board of supervisors, be on the board of education, to be the sheriffs and so forth, Uh, the the dog catcher or um, whatever—and the whole object is to begin to gain influence in the community and have some some real power over what happens. And most people want to start at the top. Who are you (laughs) going to vote for for president? You know, I don't think I think about if I vote for the right guy for president. And both candidates have been selected by people they have <laughs> right. no idea who they are, <laughs> but if they just sure. say, "Wait around. Oh, who who who's who can I choose? You know, what candidate can I choose from?" No, our object is to create the candidates ourselves from our own ranks, people we know and aren't, aren't going to betray us when the time comes. I'm, I'm rambling on and on, but so that's our plan: is to create from the ground up, not from the top down, and it's working. So anybody that wants to become part of that. Uh, the best place to start is with Red Pill University. And from there, then all information and all, all branches and avenues come into that central hub at redpilluniversity.org.
1: Well, I did. I, I have looked at a lot of the offerings there and I have to say it is a combination of bold and highly credible in that, I mean, I never know how far I can go with somebody, how red pilled somebody really is because I'm so red. I mean, some people stop at like Trump is Batman. They think that that, that Trump was the savior. And I, I just, I can't go. I have to go deeper than that. And you have a lot of people there who are a lot deeper than that, but have serious, um, have really made their bones in the world in their credibility and their Plausibility, and it seems like not even necessarily people of uh, a libertarian ideology. Cynthia McKinney, who's always been bold and suffered for integrity, I'm sure, politically, I'm far apart from her. But I see that she's on your side, and so many people who just have there expertise their truth they're there to stand up for what they know and um it's quite a wealth of resources and i yes and we've just
0: started we've just started in fact our biggest problem already is beginning to loom is that we have so much information now it's hard to deal with it so We have some plans of how we can better index that and give people ability to zero down on more specific subtopics and say, I want to know more about, oh, let's say, we today we've been talking about controlled opposition, for example. Mm -hmm. So I would like to know about, oh, controlled opposition, that sounds like a good one. One button push and then everything that really has substance on that topic will show up. Or if they want to say, I want to just know more about... um, um, the Civil War. Okay, I just picked that up. Oh, Civil War. There it is. I want to know more about fiat money. Bingo, there it is. So that's, we're engaging in that kind of indexing software right now. We don't have it, but we soon will because we're building the largest repository of information in the world on this kind of thing. And it's already, it's like walking into that, uh, that, uh, warehouse, that government warehouse at the end of, uh, uh, what was that? movie where the, the... um Yes, it was Raiders of the
1: Lost Ark.
0: Raiders of the Lost Ark, yeah. You walk in and there's this this building a warehouse that goes on forever. <laughs> it's
1: infinite, yes. It's, it's infinite. absolutely <laughs> infinite. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's kind of how we are with our information now. Where do you start with this?
1: Well, now that they're suppressing our... Uh, just They've corralled everybody into the digital sphere. They've acted like We've chosen to be there and that's where we want the first, our first amendment rights to be exercised. And then because it's private, they take it all away. I mean, I feel like we were lured into a pen and then they just closed the door on the pen. And now, you know, people were only on Twitter having conversations and then Twitter wiped them out, but it, it feels, it's very clear to me that, that we're, we are going to have to take control of that information and the information. Yes, it's not sufficient, but it is necessary and that's where it's going to start so if you're doing all that work putting all that money time and effort into a place where people can go not just to get all that information but obviously to make connections if even just by showing up in person to an expo or to a local event or just connecting with other people I think that if you can get the critical mass on that it's invaluable
0: Yes it is. And there's so many things that you can do at the local level like um uh, I was in uh, San Luis Obispo County just a few days ago where I have a little a retreat that I've always wanted to have all my life. It's not a place to hide because everybody knows where I am, but <laughs> it's, it, so it's in the, there it, it's it's beautiful there and um the the people there and I know many of them have gotten organized and they've gotten I think right now the latest number is about 55 restaurant owners in that little town to say we're opening up our restaurants. Bingo, you know. You want to come in and rest arrest us? Here we are. We're open and they give them their hours and it, it, we prefer you call ahead so we can prepare. <laughs>
1: but, <laughs> <laughs> that's all it takes. And, yeah, and no. that's right. That is all it takes.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah,
1: that's the start,
0: you see. And then and there's, there's power that comes and mor- morale that comes from numbers. What's the old song? Give me some men who are stout-hearted men, and I'll soon give you 10,000 more. That's how it works.
1: Hmm. Well, that, I cannot resist the opportunity to leave it there, because... That we will try to give you a few stout-hearted men, and we'll watch the thousands, the the multitudes mm-hmm. follow. Mm-hmm. So, but Binkley, did was there anything else that you want? I know you were a fan of the Yuri Besma's men. There's, I Bes- could go on for hours,
2: probably. So, <laughs> all right, let's let us no, end I, it here, and maybe I, we'll I think we'll this is a good again. place, to,
0: good place to end it. I think I've probably lost a lot of friends already, <laughs> but <laughs> no. not buying into the popular narrative. Yeah. That's I right.
1: know. I'm sorry. That That's the thing. I, I thought that people do not want to hear that because they really wanted the hope. They really wanted the Trump hope. They really wanted the Q hope. But I saw right away that he was paying lip service to the anti-globalism that everybody was craving, but yeah. that he wasn't following through in any way that would last. And we are not better off now than we were four years ago for whatever reasons.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, wh- one thing, that type of organizing that you're describing is... I've seen some of the other side that, uh, I've seen them do some of their instructional videos. I sign up for all the activism newsletters and stuff because I want to see the tactics they're using and Stacey Abrams, Indivisible, Women's March. And so I go to their trainings and I go to their, their online mm-hmm. stuff. And what you were describing about the hierarchy of power, I've seen them literally draw circles saying this person Then, like, break, and it's just a pyramid that they're that they're drawing Mm -hmm. that goes all the way up, and they block off the information at certain levels. But Stacey Abrams, especially in Georgia, has done an exceptional job of creating these little cells, these activism cells, to uh, organize in every single precinct in the county and really across the country. Now, hers has been funded top down. A lot of George Soros money came from her, but I think it's an excellent idea to build that ground root, uh, grassroots, ground up. From the other side, I think it's great to have an opposition to that because it's powerful.
1: And the difference is what they actually say is don't ask questions and don't mm -hmm. trust your own instincts, which is the exact opposite of... What the real message would be if there were integrity there and if your interests were aligned. So I always say like, yes, ask the, the questions. Your truth should not be yes, fragile.
0: Yeah. And in fact, if, for those who come to the Freedom Force website and you look at our code of conduct and we have that, I th- I've forgotten whether it's number four or five on the list. That number is not important, but we, one of the codes of conduct is don't trust your leaders. Not (laughs) even, not even, not even our leaders in freedom. Yeah. It. Yeah. Because There's no reason know. for it. There's a reason for because people can be corrupted or or they can be intimidated, you know.
1: If but you, trust even I even Simon said do, do you is there any politician you trust? I said I don't even trust Ron Paul. I watch his actions. I found that he has said what he was going to do and then he's done it, but it's not a matter of trust. It's a matter of of principles and actions and yeah. you can verify it with your own eyes. You don't have to just trust me you don't have to trust
0: the plan yeah when they say trust the plan you know you're in trouble
1: i know it's so (laughs) crazy trust the plan i'm gonna sign off on four trillion dollars worth of deficits but you know i got it i got this don't worry don't ask any questions (laughs) so well mr griffin it was really truly an honor and a privilege i mean i cannot tell you since um my earliest days of being uh awakened and red-pilled, your Norman Todd interview was the first thing I would recommend to people. And since then, and of course, The Creature from Jackal Island, and everybody loves the Yuri Yav interviews, and we can just see what he said unfolding in real time. And it's just so impressive that you continue this great work, and I do highly recommend people check out Red Pill University. And if they are dying to get out and socialize after this long, terrible um tyranny that Red Pill Expo in South Dakota in June. I can't imagine a better spot for it.
0: Yeah. It's only about a twenty five or thirty minute drive to Mount Rushmore. It's a uh, sort of symbolic, has a lot of American history there. I mean, we're not paying homage to the men, but it's just the idea that it's a great country. It was, it still is. At the, at the level of the citizenry, it's a great country. If you, if you look at the country on the basis of the people and not the politicians, I, I'm still saying this is the greatest country in the world or as great as they've ever come. Our politicians, well, that's another story.
1: Well, we'll have to try to, we'll have to try to win it back. Thank you so much, Mr. Griffin. Thank you, Binkley, and thank you all for watching and listening. Thanks. Bye bye. Thank
2: y'all. See you later.